and welcome to the Edu Switchboard podcast. I'm your host, Jana Parker, licensed educational psychologist, wellness and executive function coach, and parent consultant. Visit jplep.com to become a member of my community or to access my assessment or coaching services. Hi, everyone. My name is Jana Parker, and I am an educational psychologist. My business is JPLEP, and I'm located in Campbell, California. If you have been following my YouTube videos or my podcast, which is called Edu Switchboard, I have been primarily doing interviews with people who I know in the community who help kids. It has been a passion project of mine, and a couple of times I have laid down some you know, psychology insight to parents. Um, The reason that I got started with this whole venture and passion project was just because I felt like families were in need of some connectivity, some more resources, some more support, especially as we've been on distance learning and uh, going through this COVID pandemic. So now it is towards the end of September. It's a Sunday afternoon and I've got my dog laying behind me if you're watching this on a video. I just started thinking, you know, what is the number one thing that most people are asking me about right now and just in general for my business? And I realize I don't really talk a lot about my business on my videos or podcasts. So I thought that this would be a good opportunity to do so. So today I'm going to talk about the number one reason why families contact me in the first place. And it's typically to talk about whether or not they should have their child assessed or evaluated. And typically they're inquiring about psychoeducational evaluation. And a lot of questions come up around that. And I've done a number of parent education chats and talks and workshops as I've gone through my professional career. And when people call they're at all different points of their journey in really trying to understand what's going on with their student, their learner, and what this whole psychoeducational assessment thing is all about. So I thought I would kind of go into a couple of key things here so that if anybody wanted to know about what a psychoeducational evaluation or a school neuropsychological evaluation is, this would help to provide some insight and I will post it for the world to see so that if someone is potentially going to contact me, you can get a lot of your answers um, right here. So the number one email that I get says, Dear Jana, I am interested in getting my child assessed. I think my, you know, for example, I think my kid has dyslexia or I think my child is struggling with attention or something like that. And, you know, the two questions are, what is your availability and how much does it cost? Um, I know that those are very important questions for a parent to ask, but on my end, what I think is, well, what is it your, what is it you want out of this? What's the referral question? And so um, what these evaluations are really about is what do the parents want to know? What is the purpose of doing this evaluation? So for example, um, you might consider an evaluation when you simply want to understand your student's learning profile better. 
So you just may be like, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm wondering what this learning profile is all about. That might be one reason why a parent would consider an evaluation for their child. Another is when you have questions that you want answered and you've already tried to address, address the problems. And that's really important. Like, unless you have already tried to address some problems, it might not be, be time for an evaluation. So I'm always interested in what has already been tried and what hasn't worked because it, it may be the case that you try something and something works and then you don't need, then you, then you kind of have your questions answered and your child is, is off to the races again. Another concern might be that you think that your student has a learning disability or an attention disorder or some kind of mental health issue or something that's going to require supports or accommodations that they're not necessarily receiving educationally. Okay. And I want to take a second here to say, so there are all different kinds of reasons why parents might ask an evaluator for, um, you know, for an assessment. But the most important thing for a parent to know is what is it you want out of it? What are you trying to get? Are you trying, are you interested in a diagnosis? Are you interested in understanding the learning profile? Are you interested in understanding what kinds of supports you can access moving forward? Are you interested in getting an individualized education plan or an IEP? Are you interested in a 504 plan, which provides accommodations? What's the reason? What's going on that you need to get an evaluation? Because a lot of the answers that an evaluation can give you are things you might already know, but there are definitely reasons why you need kind of a more formal either like diagnosis or you need to see like the numbers for um, the college board, things like that. Um, but I, I just want to stress the importance of a family really knowing why they're coming in for an evaluation. And the second thing I want to say is that there are a number of different kinds of evaluations and evaluators. And it all really depends on the training that the person has had. So let's start with like a psychological evaluation. A psychological evaluation is usually conducted by a, a clinical psychologist, somebody who has clinical training, and they're usually coming at this psychological evaluation from more of a medical perspective. Um, a psychoeducational evaluation really focuses on based on the based on the results what supports might this student need educationally or what it, this problem is impacting the student educationally and that could be academically but it could also be socially it could also be emotionally it could also be executive function something is impacting the student in school what is it and if it's a private evaluation, then they could provide a diagnosis, like a clinical diagnosis. But if this evaluation is being done at the school, then the school psychologist would be doing a psychoeducational evaluation and determining eligibility under IDEA, which is a California, um, or it's a federal, federal um, law for students with disabilities and then um it and then in whatever state you're in so i'm in california in california it's it's um also 
um, based on education code, okay? So the school psychologist is looking for eligibility for special education services under any one of 13 different criteria under education code. Um, a private psychologist doing a psychoeducational evaluation is looking for you know, pretty much the same thing, but that a uh, private, a person in private practice, whether it's a licensed educational psychologist like me, or it's another kind of psychologist who isn't, um, isn't necessarily an educational psychologist, but they could do these kinds of evaluations. But those people may or may not have had experience in schools. Um, so uh, the purpose of this psychoeducational evaluation is really to better understand what's going on educationally and what to do about it. Now, a school neuropsychological evaluation or just a neuropsychological evaluation, and I'll tell you why I separate the two out in a moment, um, that's really about understanding the, the neurological foundation for why learning challenges are happening or why different challenges are happening. So there are neuropsychologists who do these kinds of evaluations, they may or may not have had school experience, like, right, experience working in a school. Their training is different. They're usually doctorate level. Um, I am a licensed educational psychologist, so I was a school psychologist first, and then I got my license to practice privately as an educational psychologist in private practice, and I got a postgraduate certification in school neuropsychology. So I could be considered a school neuropsychologist. So I have this educational piece and this understanding of brain-based behavior. And when you tie those together, for me, what I'm always looking for is what is the cause of this? What can I ascertain from the information that I gather that's going to provide me with an understanding of what the neurological bases are for this, these, whatever these problematic areas are? What are the students' strengths and weaknesses? What is it that's neurologically impacting the student's behavior and and um, impact on education. And then what do we do about it? So based on this, what do we do about it? Okay. So I hope that that makes sense just in terms of the difference between a psychological evaluation, a psychoeducational evaluation, and a school neuropsychological evaluation. And I'll also say here that a school neuropsychological evaluation is likely going to take longer than a psychoeducational evaluation. And so for me in my practice, I say I do psychoeducational and school neuropsychological evaluations. And really, I only say that because psychoeducational evaluation is a more popular term. Like I feel like people um, know what that is more than when you say school neuropsychological evaluation. But to be honest with you, all I do are school neuropsychological evaluations because once I, once I, you know, elevate my practice to the point where I'm really trying to understand, I mean, that's the whole reason I got that postgraduate certification and went through that whole program is because it wasn't enough for me to just kind of 
give like kind of more of a surface level um, assessment and diagnosis. I really needed to dive in um, to every case and be able to, to the best of my ability, given a variety of assessment tools and it includes interviews and rating scales and different kinds of um, standardized assessments um, that are direct with the student that are gonna give me the most information so that I can get like a targeted intervention for the problem area that I'm finding. Let me take, let's take dyslexia for example, okay? You could say, based on a cognitive assessment and an academic achievement test, that there's an issue with reading, which potentially could be dyslexia. But unless you know what area of reading problem that student has, you don't know how to intervene. So there are three different types of reading problems. One is primarily phonologically based, one is more like orthographically based, so kind of a visual memory, uh, remembering what symbols look like, being able to memorize what words look like so that you can have better fluency. And, and then the other is comprehension. Okay, so sometimes it's a language-based disorder where they're, they're having trouble with comprehension. But all of those reading issues could also be, so depending on the reading issue, you're gonna have a different intervention, right? But then you could also have a reading issue that's compounded by an attention issue, okay? So if someone's not paying attention to what they're reading, then number one, they're gonna they might have more trouble learning to read. And even if they learn to read, they might have trouble paying attention to the content of what they're reading. So you might see a reading comprehension issue, but it's more based on their difficulty paying attention. Okay, so that those are just kind of examples of the things that I'm looking for when I'm doing an evaluation. And really just, again, trying to answer the referral question, finding out from the parent, what is the problem? What are you, what are you, what's your child struggling with? And how can my assessment help to um, answer those questions and give you the tools? And so that's, that's where my interviews that I've been doing um, with the community really come into play is right here at the end, right? So once, this is so important, once you have an evaluation done, your work is just getting started. The evaluation itself is not going to do anything. It's just a piece of paper. It's like going to um, a gym and having a personal trainer put you on a scale, take your weight, ask you what you ate, and then give you a workout plan and a nutrition plan to meet your goals, okay? That's just a piece of paper. Or it's like going to the doctor and the doctor giving you a medical diagnosis and telling you, well, these are the things that you should do about it. And that's, you know, that's what uh, a report is, okay? That is what my, my big, beautiful report that I spend many, many, many hours on, like, you know, gathering all this data, interpreting all the results, coming out with like my formulation and then any diagnoses if appropriate and then a lot of strategies and supports and recommendations those are only as good as what you do with them next and that is the key right there so you when if you are a parent and you are seeking an evaluation what i would really suggest is that you already get super committed in yourself to taking the next steps to do something about it. 
Okay. And it's not just handing it to the school and saying, here you go, you know, my kid needs a 504 plan. It's about how that 504 plan is implemented. It's about your understanding of what these strategies are. It's about someone that, that might be recommended in the community to come in and help and support your family, right? It's, it's gonna be a process after you get that evaluation done um, to do something about that problem. And so for me, as I'm working with families, I am always trying to figure out what are the most appropriate and most efficient um, next steps. And sometimes I even say, don't even do the assessment yet. Just push in some intervention because that is what is really going to help, right? And if you are a family who's inquired about evaluation and you hear it's like, you know, two months out or something because evaluators can be pretty backed up. It doesn't mean it's time to just wait, right? You want to be doing something that's going to put in some forward motion and help your student. So, you know, that's kind of why I've started compiling interviews with professionals in the community because there are so many people who exist to help students with really uh, specific kinds of problems. And these could be kids who never even had an issue in the past, but now in distance learning are having major issues with their executive function, which is really that like um, keeping themselves on track while they're sitting at home with tons of distractions and also trying to go to school, right? I mean, it's not an ideal world for anybody pretty much. Um, so there's a couple things that you might wanna do, should do prior to having an evaluation done. Um, you should definitely try to work with your student's teacher and the school to support the student. And you want to take some data on how that support went, what worked, what didn't work, you know? Really try to understand what the problem is and support it. And here's the thing. Intervention can and should many times precede assessment. I was just saying that a little bit ago. If you can get in, if you kind of know what the problem is and you can get in there and remediate, the brain is plastic. The brain is amazing. The brain will shift and mold and correct itself if it's given the right intervention. You know, more than a diagnosis, what you really want is an intervention. You know, so if, if you can intervene and rectify um, a problem, before you get an assessment, you know, by all means, do it, okay? Um, the pros of testing are to provide information to better understand and support a student's learning profile. It really helps students and families understand why the student has been struggling, and this can actually really help to empower students. And I just had a kid the other day, after I told him his evaluation results, he said, you know, and he's, he's not even 13 years old. And I told him about all of his strengths and I told him why he was struggling. And it was really due to attentional issues and executive function weaknesses. It wasn't about how bright he was. It wasn't about um, whether or not he could, you know, had the skills to understand the content that he was learning because he really did but he really had a problem paying attention to him and then executing 
and like doing what his teachers needed him to do and staying focused, especially in distance learning. I mean, he was really struggling with that. And I asked him, you know, what did you learn from this? And he said that I'm not as dumb as I thought I was. I mean, it kind of broke my heart, but made me happy at the same time. I mean, this poor little guy, like he, like thought he was dumb, you know, he had a, you know, it was really starting to affect his self-esteem and his self-confidence. And uh, to show, uh, to show a student how many strengths they have is just um, really why I do what I do, because I feel like anybody can get through what they're going through if they have the right kinds of supports and get the right kind of help. Um, so, so again, I'm just really try to target my assessment to guide intervention and next steps moving forward. One of the things that I think has really been missing in this whole like um, private testing world that I am trying to kind of um, change this script in my practice now is you know it's like the only place where you go and you go like well here's the problem and here's some recommendations now go do something about it like where is that coaching piece where is that accountability how how could we possibly expect you know parents with super busy lives not knowing you know anything about this infant well typically typically education is not their wheelhouse right i mean sometimes it is sometimes not so if you're a parent who gets an evaluation for your kid and then has all this documentation and has all these strategies, but you don't know really the first thing about how to implement it. And you spent one hour with the person who did the assessment talking about what you need to do next. And then you don't have anybody following up with you to help you do that, to help you take the next steps, to hold you accountable for what those next steps are to follow back up with you. I mean, I used to work at a clinic where the doctor would, after every appointment, he'd say, okay, see you in three months. Oh, see you in four months. This one needs one month, right? Because he needed to follow up and parents just naturally go like, oh yeah, it's the doctor, I'll follow up with them. But it was never something that we did. And that's a piece I really feel like is missing. And that's what I'm really trying to work with parents on as uh, I move forward with my clients. You know, I don't want to be that person who just phases out of your life as quickly as I came into it. If I'm going to take that time to get to know all about your family, your student, and, and, and um, do some research and then provide you a whole bunch of like potentially really useful things that you could do, let me stand by you and take you to those next steps. You know, I want to connect you with people in the community who can help whatever situation that is, if it's not something that I do at my own clinic, or just knowing so many people in the community who help, like, I really kind of um, am able to uh, pick out people who I think would be a good fit. It's so much about that fit of who your uh, child is being assessed by, right? I mean, some people work better with different kinds of personalities. Um, and that's just kind of a fact of life, right? And I think that as you move forward with intervention, it's also really important that you have a good fit. Um, I think that a kid is going to learn, you know, much more from a person that they have a strong connection with than the person that they don't. And it doesn't matter how much, you know, maybe how different the education of that person is, right? It's about that connection and whether that student 
feels like um, they can jive with that person and really take on and listen and follow through with the suggestions and recommendations and strategies that that person's putting out on the table. So there are just, there are a lot of pieces to this. It is not an easy decision to decide that you wanna get your child assessed. I also do wanna say that the schools, like your school district where you reside, if you ask for an assessment, eight times out of 10, they will do it, but it will likely be more of a psychoeducational assessment than a school neuropsychological assessment, just based on the nature of school evaluations. Um, but I also want to say that you could get an amazing school psychologist who might do, I mean, I know when I was in public education as a school psychologist, I couldn't do a lesser job. I mean, I wasn't giving a clinical diagnosis because we don't do that in schools, but I wasn't doing like a lesser job at my evaluation. So, but you, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of school psychologists and, um, but I, but I do want to put it out there that schools do it for free. and if your student goes to public school and you do want to get an IEP or you are or your your child goes to private school and you're considering going to public school for an IEP, I typically recommend that you first do an evaluation at the school because private evaluations are only they the school team only has to consider them. They do not have to adopt them. Okay? So and they will likely say they wanna do their own evaluation. So if you are considering special education services, you do think your child might be eligible for an IEP, that's a whole different talk, um, you wanna at least give the school the opportunity to do it themselves first. More than likely they'll take you up on it, especially if you say you're potentially gonna get them assessed privately. Well, there's a whole lot more that I could say about this, but it's probably been too long, so I'll stop here. But I just uh, really want you to know that you're welcome to reach out to me with any questions. I definitely do um, conversations with families if they have questions before they sign up for this very in-depth um, process. I want you to know what you're getting into. You know, this is why I put this video up here today is so that you can um, feel like you have at least some background and then ask questions as they come up. Um, I think that if you're looking for somebody to do your evaluation, you should get to talk to them. And that was the one of the problems that I had being in a clinic was that it was harder for parents to get to me. Like they'd be signed up to do an assessment with me, but I didn't get to talk to that family ahead of time. You know, they didn't get to know me ahead of time. So um, I want if you're coming to JPLEP, I want you to feel confident that you're that I'm going to be the person doing your assessment and you feel comfortable with it and you know what to expect. Um, and it should be like that with anybody. So I would encourage you to do your research, ask about people's backgrounds, um, see if you're really concerned about school, see if the person who's evaluating has worked in a school setting before, because that's important. Um, but, you know, I would also say that all these people who are doing these evaluations, they're doing it because they love it. And um, I know that for me, it's, um, it's just like a passion for me to really get to try to figure out and help um, students and families. So if you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out. You can reach me at Jana, J-A-N-A, -A, at jplep.com. 
And you can find all of the videos that I've done and the podcasts that I've done on my website at jplep.com. All right, and that's Glory in the background if you're watching this video and you can see her, it's my Ridgeback. Um, it was wonderful talking to you today and I hope you have a, a great day, whatever it is. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Edu Switchboard podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions or comments or want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at Jana at jplep.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, I'm here to help.